Mm-hmm. That's really wonderful. Maybe I'm maybe it's just argument here about when once you mentioned that maybe living tissue is hard to predict and it's maybe complex as you mentioned. What are maybe the scenario for complexity for predicting the behavior? And if you think it's really complex to sometimes to predict the behavior, um, if we imagine that we, we can design a living system um, for cure uh, like, like cancer in human body, for example, mm-hmm. what could be the limitation? And if you, men- you mentioned also frog cells is catastrophic to human body, also can also pray about that for designing so that we can have uh, a clear right. perspective. Yeah. Yeah, so, so this is really interesting, and I've only begun to have conversations about this with colleagues, but, but biology really spans mm. the, the whole range of control systems. And so there are biological organisms that are very much open loop. Um, and so C. elegans is, is sort of a classic model. This is a nematode worm. It starts from a single cell, and every single nematode uh, C. elegans that develops develops with exactly the same number of cell divisions in exactly the same way, and the final organism has exactly the same number of cells in the same positions, and that cannot be perturbed. And if you delete one of those cells during development, Mm -hmm. that whole lineage is lost. So it's completely predictable to the cell. Every neuron, everything is identical. And then you have other organisms uh, like like Hydra, which is an aquatic organism Mm -hmm. that you can literally put through a sieve and blend up put together in a pile and it will reform itself, no problem. You can cut it in half and it will regenerate. And so, you know, we have these, these closed loop systems where there's all sorts of feedback. And for the medical community, this is these types of terms that roboticists use that I'm only beginning to be get familiar with are starting to come into play. And there's been some people who have thrown out just as a thought exercise, could cancer be a system in which you're moving from a closed loop to an open loop, perhaps the cells in your body mm. are responding to their environment and they are developing along a certain trajectory that's healthy and they're producing a healthy tissue. But when they lose track of that, if they get into a cycle where uh, the system is open and it's just reproducing without any input from its external environment, that could lead to cancer. So this overproduction of cells that are not differentiating or participating in a healthy body. Um, so I think there's a lot of really interesting cross-pollination sort of terminology and, and design principles that hasn't really happened yet between the robotics and the biological community, but it's really fertile ground for research for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, great. So maybe uh, when you select, for example, the Genobot, the frog cell for designing this uh, tiny living robot, so that could be the most important question we have to consider. In terms of maybe this, this, as you mentioned, design, you have been cooperating with uh, Professor Josh Bonger at Vermont. But maybe the question from you, a biology asks the reports to that. That is a question I need answer from you guys so that we can maybe design or fabricate this cell. What could be this kind of question you have uh, corresponding with robotics side? Yeah, so I think what we constantly grapple with is... Um, the level of abstraction that's appropriate for each discipline. And so modeling everything in biology is, is, is clearly impossible. Number one, mm. we don't have the information. And number two, if we did the computation necessary to, to, to really model even within one cell, what is happening at a given moment would not be feasible. It is mm. incredibly complex. And so we constantly struggle with how far we can abstract out. And so from the, the, the robotic side, really understanding how the physics are modeled is pretty important. 
So the biology is, is, is really sensitive to things like stresses and friction mm. um, and deformation. Um, and sometimes the, the, the simulations produce things that when I see are just not possible. So, so for example, one, one practical example is uh, robots in simulation tend to form, form really hard edges, like a right angle. And in mm. biology, that is not something that we see very often. Like mm. you can think of a tree or an organism. There's not often something that comes out and then at a perfectly perpendicular angle forms a, a line. Uh, biology tends to round and smooth structures. And so sort of understanding how the simulation is abstracting the biology is important and make, making sure that the model is, is, uh, has a design filter that's appropriate for a biological system. Yeah, that's a really excellent point. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I hear the, the question about what could be something you think uh, is very important, or maybe as a community from biology or biohybrid design, I'm speaking this perspective, still disagree or doesn't get much attention. So something in biohybrid design for living cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love biohybrids a, a ton. I think they approach questions different than someone who does a fully living biological robot mm -hmm. with no synthetic scaffolds. I think what's interesting to me that it's just a difference of approach is um, I think their their scaffolds are really the strong point. They they can build quickly and with precision these, these synthetic structures that they're using to see biological structures. But what's interesting is, is they tend to think of these things as very passive and fixed designs, right? So we build a, an actuator or a scaffold and that's it. And so I wish they would spend a little bit more time actually evolving the different scaffolds. So how can they use the scaffolds or evolve scaffolds for different purposes? So instead of saying, I want one scaffold that's going to make a swimmer, really work on different types of scaffolds and say, by using the same types of cells, just by modifying the non-biological part, we can get all these different types of behaviors. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think they tend to focus on the question from the opposite way and say, we have a scaffold that does X, Let's see what other types of cells or different types of control we can do from the biological end. Um, and then the other thing I would say is a lot of this work uh, in both uh, biological and biohybrid designs really have biomedical endpoints. And I, I think that's likely due to funding reasons. So the idea of treating human disease or delivering drugs. But I think there's a lot of both basic science and, and purely robotic applications for biohybrids that hasn't really been evaluated yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. 